Okay. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Nerdy Board and Almost 30. Uh, this is Mowgli. And Sarah. We're about to take our 20th drink of the night or something. I don't know. Who, who's counting anymore? I am. Oh. Cheers. You just spilled the drink on yourself. <laughs> Shut up. You pull it into your mouth, not into your boobs, you weirdo. I'm putting it in my mouth. Cheers. Oh, God. So, Sarah and I, it's been a long time. We're all a year older, a year wiser. Well, I am. Sarah is just two years older and none wiser. And, shut up. Mm. And we went to go see this movie. What was it called, Sarah? Welcome to Marwin. Uh Uh-huh. And what happened in that movie? Well, uh, Steve Carell's character... Had been beaten up by some uh, neo-Nazis. Just like you. I'm not a neo-Nazi. That's all I meant. I've not been beaten up by neo-Nazis. Do you have any ranch dressing for these fries? Yeah, I think that it's in the refrigerator. These are not good fries. No. Um, anyway, Steve Carell's character gets beaten up. And uh, to deal with his trauma, he... Creates a town in Germany. No, Belgium. <laughs> well, they would have called it Germany because they owned it at the two-year mark or whatever. So, like, 1945 Belgium and uh, with dolls. Okay, you're not good at telling the story. No, I'm not. So, this guy was beat up by neo-Nazis and to cope with it because he got his brains kicked out. And he said so many times that my memories got kicked out of my head. I remember who he was before then, but he used to be really good at drawing. And then after that, he had to take all these like weird turquoise medications. And there's this doll who like keeps that's his addiction. So she, there's spoilers here. That's his addiction, and she keeps him addicted to these pills. It's like whatever. Anyways, he's really into heels, so he gets out of this bar where he works, and the neo Nazis are like, "Hey man, you gay?" And he's like, "No, but I really like heels or something." And then they beat him up. And then he's all like PTSD and he takes pictures of dolls in like the, the doll houses. Actually, after this, I want to look up his artwork because I'm kind of interested to see what he does. Because like they call it art, but it's photography. So I'm really interested to see like what. Anyways. Yeah, he like forgot how to draw. He used to be an animator, but he got beat up and he forgot how to draw. So he got into photography. Yeah, he could. I mean, like at that point, your camera is like a wheelchair for your hands. So I, I understand why he did it, but what are these frozen on the other side? Oh. So, um, <clears throat> the way that the the story builds up, he's like kind of at, on his own in his house, and I, so my favorite thing about it was the transitions between his interior life and the exterior world. And how they were transitioned from, by like, uh, th- there's two kind of mechanisms that did that. One was perspective and the other was scale. Uh, so, like, here's an example. Like, something would be going on and then the camera would change its focus. And, like, from going to, like, seeing large people it would go to, like, this macro lens and then focus in on, like, the little dolls. And they'd be running through, like, a war scene. And the way that that always escalated was done through, like, 
Steve Carell's anxiety. So like once his anxiety reached this tipping point, and they actually do this really good visual analogy um, with it, or this visual metaphor, which is like the, the tea kettle like ringing. Um, once that kind of hits, it switches him back into this war zone where like everything's going crazy. This, there's this whole like shit scene going on. There's bullets flying everywhere. And like he's got this heroic persona that has to come up and like encourage him but also be him and then he's got all these like women around him that like offer support and uh reassurance and anyways so the way that that played i I thought that was like the coolest part of the movie was just like moving between his normal life where you're looking at this guy being like oh he's a fucking weirdo and then you go over to like here's his interior life and it's i read it as a like metaphor for his anxiety yeah what was most impressive was definitely like his like the animation and how that was just like how that represented his mental state and how it seeped into his everyday behavior but in the same vein it just it seemed like kind of heavy-handed I was like, this is how he's coping with his trauma. Check it out. And just in case you didn't get it, we're going to explain it through this dialogue also. Yeah, the script... and like, So the script, I think, left a little bit to be desired. Um, I agree with you there. It was well acted. The animation was really good. And it made me excited for the future, too. Just Why? Have, well, because everything improves. Yeah, we got progress. You don't. Well, <laughs> technology improves. People don't generally. No, yeah. I mean, for me, it's still the the camera work. They did some really good, like some. There was one scene where like they switched from uh, what's that guy's name, Hoagie's face, to Steve. So Hoagie is a Ken doll that Steve Carell is, and they switched from Hoagie's face to his face, and. It kind of did this warp where like it the it wasn't right, and felt like there was a, that was the only transition that I didn't like. But my favorite, like my favorite uh, part of that movie was the camera work and how they moved between those two scenes. Mm-hmm. Usually, it was done by like a, a changing of your. I'm probably gonna fuck this up because I'm not a photographer, but a changing of like your um, focal. Uh, range I think it's called it's like where like what's the ca- what can the camera see and what's out of focus and it would go from like something far away to something close but like in the middle of an action scene which is really rarely done like usually you use that kind of thing in like a dramatic scene to go from like one character's interior life to the other ones because you're looking at their faces and it was done really poorly in um Death Proof, which we saw the other day, <laughs> when they had, like, both characters in focus, but, like, split. So, like, the background of the one character was blurry, but the other one wasn't. Yeah, this, it was, like, really seamless. Yeah. The cinematography was on point. Yeah, that, I think that was probably, like, that, Steve Carell's acting was pretty good. It's yeah. the first time I've seen him in a movie where I'm like, oh, he's just playing Michael Scott. Like, a lot of his, um expressions were very similar to the office and he's kind of misogynistic like 
all the women in his life were these dolls that he had complete control of. Right? And he kept calling them dolls. like And dames. Yeah, it was kind of cool where you're just like, oh, well, there are a lot of, like, female roles in this. But the trailer led me to believe that their uh, physical, real counterparts were going to have more of an impact. Agency, yeah. Yeah, in the actual film. And, like, that didn't really come through. It's like their agency stems from his, like, uh... His weight in them. They're caretakers. They're still just caretakers. No matter how badass they are, they're saving Steve Carell's character. They're, like, making him safe. They make him feel safe. That's what he repeats over and over because it's, like, very explicit. Yeah. And, like, that's what women have always kind of been expected to do. Which, like, it's kind of cool, but it's also, like, what they're expected to do. Yeah. I feel like it's kind of a complicated... I, I take issue with that as well. Like, one could... I think, like, an, like, a person that was born, like, ten years before us would make the case that that was, like, a feminist movie. He... Like, what was that line he had? It was, like... Because... He had, like, some line where he was explaining, like, oh, it's because women are the future. Like... Because women are the ones who, who do this. I was probably peeing while standing up when that happened. Because <laughs> I walked out for part of it. What are you talking about? Uh, exactly what I just said. He, like, Steve Carell had, like, an explicit line where, like, oh, well, why are all of these people in your fantasies women? It's like, well, because women are the ones who take care of us. Women are the ones who do this. Wow, that's... It's very insightful, Sarah. Uh, no, not really, because it was like a line that... Cheers, yeah. drink more. Oh, uh, do I have to? Yes, you poured yourself that cup, you're going to finish it. I didn't pour that. No one else poured that. You always blame other people for pouring your vodka. Poor me. Poor you. I thought it really did, a, I think it did a good job, like, just shifting gears a little bit, and um, just how it portrays anxiety. Like, I like that it was, like, this weird, like, spilling over into this other world where, like, suddenly, like, in, in most cases, when anxiety is portrayed, just, like, in conversation or media, it's this thing where, like, there's a tipping point and then you're out of control. And this kind of inverted it, where, like, at the tipping point, he took control back with that narrative that he overlays onto, like, the real world. It was like, suddenly, oh, we're, like, in this Nazi war scene, and I'm, like, fucking yet freaking out. There's all these women around me, like, saving me with their guns. And then he, like, snaps back to reality. Yeah. That was a really cool way to deal with it. I thought it was very different than, like, the, like, you're in control, you're in control, you're in control... And then you're out of it. Like, in this movie, I think the overall theme was that the only times he was in control is when he was, like, kind of in his weird, like, psyche-out psyche trip. Because that's when he could revert back to his world. And up until then, he's always trying to, like, uncomfortably exist in reality. Mm-hmm. I thought it was, like, really impressive how the townsfolk and everyone really was like sympathetic to him like he didn't really face that much adversity after the initial getting beaten up 
Yeah, I Because he was a total weirdo. Like, yeah. laying it out there, this guy was a total weirdo. He was, like, uh, he got beaten up, he was the victim of a hate crime, and he was an artist. So, making a doll of his brand new neighbor was acceptable. That's really creepy. Like, that's super creepy. They just met, and he made a doll. I'm glad she didn't say yes. When, yeah, like, I was like, okay, this movie still is based in reality here. Yeah, like, they can't have any sort of relationship based on their weird doll relationship that escalated In his mind and not both his. So what we're referring to is, like, there's this part in this movie where Steve Carell, uh, that's fucking cool. Um, he's, like... This girl moves in, he buys a new... Because, like, every woman that has added benefit to his life, he turns into a doll, and he takes pictures of them in his artwork. Because he's a weirdo, and he's got a penis. And so he's able to do that. So anyways, um... And so he's got this new neighbor, and, like, they never resolve, like, the weird boyfriend plot. Like, the last time you see him, he's, like, triggering Steve Carell into another PTSD panic attack. But um, the way that she works in this whole movie is, like, she moves in across the street. She's extra friendly. Steve Carell reads that as, like, romantic interest in his little fantasies, which they keep cutting to. And then uh, it, it ends up that she's not that interested. Yeah, he's, like willing to escalate their relationship from, like, her being friendly because, like, he was the victim of a hate crime and their neighbors. And he likes seals. She was like, my brother likes seals. Yeah, so she's, like, being accepting of his, like, otherwise unacceptable uh, quirks. Yeah, kinks. Yeah, he's a man who enjoys wearing women's high heels, and she's just like, yeah, this is cool, I don't care. And he misinterprets that as, like, romantic feelings and makes a doll of her. And he didn't make it. He bought it. Oh, and purchases a doll of her. So that's actually one of the things that bothered me is, like, how do they, like, how... This is one thing I'm actually curious about, like, the real-life artist. Does he go and, like, change their faces to look like the people? Or was that just, like, this creative liberty that was taken by... The movie. Yeah, like, I was wondering that also, because it made sense for the movie to just be like, oh yeah, this doll looks, like, strikingly like this actor, but if this guy's actually, like, putting work into it other than the sets, he should be, like, sculpting part of the dolls. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if, like, I... And, and they kind of hint at it. Like, in the first scene, uh, you know, like, when they resolve the part with him in the plane. So, he's in a war plane. He, like, lands down. And, like, so the movie opens up with the doll scenes, not with his real life. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he crash lands. He finds a suitcase. He finds a pair of heels. He puts them on. That's where he established, like, he's okay wearing women's heels. He starts walking over. And... And I, I thought this was actually really well done. The first scene that he encounters the nemesis, which is like a group of five Nazis, the five people that beat him up. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like, there's one captain. He points his gun at him like, well, fuck you. And the captain's like, 
come on, boys. And everybody else gets up and they all point their guns back at him. And then he's like, come on over here. And he, like, there's a road between them and he walks towards the foliage. But he stops at the edge of the foliage because he doesn't want to show them that he's wearing heels. Yeah, his le- everything but his feet are visible at this moment. Yeah. And that was this whole, like, okay, this is kind of the whole problem that he's had with the world. Is once he, like, talks about that casually, he gets beat up. So that's his whole thing. Um, but... I forget what I was talking about. <laughs> I like that was very well done in the beginning to like show you what this entire movie is kind of about, like what it's prefaced on. Like, oh, well, this is the dolls, so you know that this guy is. This is what his artwork is, and it's what he kind of like packages it as such. And this is his coping mechanism for his trauma. So he kind of like normalizes it very quickly. But then it, like, really drives that point home multiple times. Like, my main issue is still just, like, with the dialogue um, and the the weird romance that gets forced upon him and his new female neighbor. And that kind of coupled with her old romance, who coincidentally was a Nazi named Kurt, which was also the name of the new Nazi doll that he could have purchased to, you know, fill out his collection. It was very, uh... Hey, you know what this movie's about? It's about Steve Carell being upset about these Nazis who beat him up. Do you know that? Hey, this, this guy's an obstacle. Oh, he's speaking German, and he's a cop? That's scary. That's gonna trigger his PTSD. Where, like, I don't know, it seemed kind of, like, patronizing to the audience. Like, we would have gotten that without Steve Carell saying, like, oh, yeah, I got beaten up by these Nazis. Yeah. We could have understood that visually. We could have understood it visually just from the dolls. We wouldn't even need to see him, like, do the flashback and, like, go back and get, getting beaten up. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. There's a couple scenes there where where I think we and by we I mean especially you laughed and nobody else in the theater laughed. It happens. Would you remember what those scenes were? No. You drunk? I am drunk. And I do laugh when other people don't. It's not surprising. Yeah, I didn't really get what that character was about. The neighbor sort of brought like when did like. What triggered his confidence to go to court? I don't know. Because he got in a few phone calls from his lawyer, who, like, surprisingly wasn't a woman. It seems like everyone else was a woman in his life. Yeah, but, like, it was very... Like, technology was very confusing in this, too. Like, he still had a tape answering machine, mm-hmm. but the neighbor had a Prius, but nobody had cell phones. Yeah. Like, what year was it? Like... Priuses came out after cell phones were everywhere, right? Not smartphones, but, like, cell phones where you, like, text people constantly. Yeah, well, texting was, like, prevalent in, what, 2001, 2002? Yeah, I'd assume so, yeah. That's when I was, like, really getting into it. That's when I was like, yeah, I want this for my birthday. I want a cell phone. (laughs) Yeah, it's for a cell phone for your birthday. Oh, probably. 
I don't know when I got it. You just said that. I'm just like... I don't know if I got it for my birthday, for Christmas. How old were you when you got your first cell phone? Um, 13. That'd be 2002. God damn it, we're old. I was 15. Oof. So, probably within six months of when you got yours. Yeah. You're old. You're old. Nah. Whatever. Time. It's it's ravaging us all. It's a bitch. I guess. Or else you die. It's ravishing us all or else you die. <laughs> yeah. You don't. Wise words. Alright. So, uh... So anyways, Marwin. It was a good movie. I want to see it again. Oh yeah. Thumbs up. I liked it. Uh, but Steve Carell's in another movie that I'm excited to see, which Ooh, is... Vice. Vice, yeah. He plays, uh, Donald Rumsfeld. I know, oh my god. Uh, Christian Bale. Ooh. Sorry, sorry, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna backtrack a little bit. The reason I brought up the first scene of, um, Marwin was because of Steve Carell. Like, Steve Carell's been in a lot of movies. I've seen him in Little Miss Sunshine... Uh, Dan in real life, uh, was it Crazy Stupid Love, where he's with like, Ryan Gosling and mm-hmm. Emma Watson. Yeah. Um, a 40-year-old version, whatever. Uh, Emma, the one woman. And it, so anyways, uh, but in this one, I, in none of those movies have I ever, like, seen him and been like, oh, he's being Michael Scott. In this one, the way he, like, it, the... The, the doll character just goes along with things that make no sense with conviction. That's Michael Scott. Like It was very like Michael Scarn in some moments. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, god damn, these flammable US standard issue boots or whatever, like where he has to like put on the heels. Like, there's so many scenes where he's just like, it's nonsensical, but he like, you believe that he believes that thing that you know is not true. Mm-hmm. Just like, oh, yeah, this is Marwin. This is what it's like here. Yeah. Is, there's just a bunch of women here. This is what it's like. There's It's Nazi-occupied Germany. Or Belgium. <laughs> Nazi-occupied Germany. <laughs> you know, I don't think they ever poor, came... Poor, Germany. I don't think they ever came to the Nazis. Occupied by all those Nazis. They just popped up. <laughs> this is going to sound really bad. Okay. Hopefully she won't hear it, but if she does, whatever. Um, I was talking to my friend from Germany, and she's, like, I forgot what we were talking about, but she's like, it's not like they have, like, some genetic deficiency, and I was like, oh yeah, German's talking about genetics. Uh Uh-oh. And she didn't get what the joke was, and I didn't (laughs) want to explain it. I didn't want to explain it to her, I was like, oh. what do you mean? I was like, no, no, nothing. You know, you, you just have a German accent, I don't know how to react to that sometimes when... You mentioned genetics. Not that. I know you did it sarcastically, but you still have a German accent. <laughs> like, it's a very mad scientist-y sounding still. Well, she is a scientist, so. Oof. Um, yeah. Cool. Well, what else can we talk about? It's only been 15 minutes. Yeah. Good, good review. I'm just kidding. It's been 20, 30 minutes. Oh. All right. All right, everyone. 
Thanks for listening. Marwin, go see it. Not like we're going to post this before it's out of theaters because we're lazy. Yeah, well, whatever. Happy holidays. Shut up. You shut up. Merry Christmas. Make Christmas great again.